Rink-wide Vancouver pregame, postgame, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you once again. Another edition of the postgame show as the Canucks fall 5-2 to the Seattle Kraken. The losing streak now extends to four games, J-Pat. The Tankists are fist-pumping right now. But it's the first four-game losing streak under Rick Tockett. But this was a mail-it-in affair, it felt like, from the Canucks. They got two goals early on, and then after that, I don't know where they went, but they left the building. Seattle took it over and eventually won the game. Yeah, I don't need to look at the schedule to know the end is near. You can just feel it. You, You saw it on Friday against Calgary. They had 14 shots in regulation. They managed six more in overtime. Then against Los Angeles on Sunday, they finished with 22, but 13 of those came in the first period, just nine shots over the final 40 minutes against the Kings. And then in this one, look at the shot total, seven, five, and four, and only four because they pulled the goaltender and got a couple of shots late on Martin Jones, but uh, couldn't score. The Canucks end up with 16 shots on goal total in this hockey game that matches the season low against Carolina uh, way back early when games still sort of mattered. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, look, if you're an organization that's trying to evaluate, maybe you're getting some answers. Maybe, you know, they always say like, it isn't the coaches that make decisions. It's the players that make the decisions for the coaches, either good or bad. Um, they had a two nothing lead at one point. Like they got the start they were looking for. And then the mail and in job, uh, started for the Vancouver Canucks and, and give the, Cracking credit, second night of back-to-backs. They played at home. They weren't tested by Arizona on Monday night, but they had to make the trip here and suit up and play again. And and they do what they do. They, you know, five different guys score goals for them. They spread the offense around. Last night, it was 15 different players figured in the scoring. Tonight, it's eight guys hit the score sheet. That's Seattle Kraken hockey. And we'll see if uh, it holds up. In the postseason for the first time, they're that much closer. They haven't clinched a spot just yet, but these are two big points for the Seattle Kraken and for the Vancouver Canucks. As you said, first time under Rick Tockett. It's four straight losses, 0-2-2 now uh, after OT losses to St. Louis and Calgary last week, but regulation tank jobs essentially against the Kings and now the Kraken. And, uh, yeah, you know, Rick Tockett's had it pretty good uh, since he took over. And the players have bought in, but it just it feels like they have now checked out and the problem there is there's five games to go and he's trying to instill habits and systems that are going to you know take hold for next year uh, I, i'm kind of curious to see if the coach cracks the whip here because uh, for the most part he's been pretty upbeat about what he's seen from his guys there have been some things and he's been pretty honest post game but even when he has had some criticism he's kind of sugar-coated and he's tried to accentuate the positives and i don't know i don't know where you go with the positives elias Pettersson gets a point closer to 100 i suppose he's up to 97 but these are back-to-back games where he hasn't been at his best uh wasn't a great night i didn't think for quinn hughes and really it's hard to say that it was a great night for anybody that was wearing a connect uniform uh this was the proverbial stinker yeah, and speaking of that stinker, too, the Canucks are up 2 nothing in the game early on, and Seattle sort of trying to find their footing, and then Colin Delia let in a stinker. Ooh, oh, Yanni oh, Gord oh. from the top of the right circle there, and sure, there might have been a bit of a screen on it, but yeah. that's just from way too far out, and it's not, you know, uh, Zdeno Chara or Al McInnes shooting that buck, Tiani Gord, and I don't know if that took the wind out of the sails of the Canucks because I don't know if the sails were completely, 
you know, going at that point uh, for them, but um, or up at that point, but uh, and it turned the game really around. And then, of course, the second period just was a, a tale of two games, really, because that's really where Seattle put their foot down. They outshoot the Canucks 18 5 in the period. Canucks don't get a, Canucks didn't have a high danger chance at five on five for 40 minutes. Yeah. 40 minutes. Now, a single high danger chance. No, you're right. Like the the second period is where the game turned, but you might be able to track it back to the Gore goal. They get out yes. of the first period up two nothing. They're feeling pretty good about themselves, and maybe the Kraken are thinking, "Hey, you know, two nights in a row, we don't have it. We get Arizona again on Thursday. We'll just worry about that one." But one goal cuts the deficit. It gets them on the board, and then, as you said, I mean, I think the game really turned. 53 seconds of five on three for the Vancouver Canucks, and like the night as a whole, they just looked abysmal. Uh, the Kraken didn't score shorthanded on the five on three, but the first penalty expired. And then Brandon Tanev off to the races, Connor Garland, unable to keep the puck in at the line and Tanev races away with Jared McCann, elects to hold and snaps it short side on Colin Delia, 16th goal of the year. That's the shorty at five Oh seven. It ties the game. And that one looked like, you know, I think at that point, the Canucks realized where this game was headed and then the Kraken sort of pile it on Everly out of the corner. When I said it wasn't a great night for Quinn Hughes, that whole sequence, I mean, Kyle Burroughs gets checked by Matty Beniers, nice four check. And Hughes comes over to help out puck kind of squirts past him. Patterson's there in the area as well. He can't do anything with it. And it, you know, rolls onto the stick of Jordan Everly who made no mistake, but the, the mistakes happened earlier uh, in the corner there. And, and that's just textbook. I mean, Matty Beniers is an incredible young player. I mean, the, the Kraken, they got it right in the draft there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he's going to be a stud and a star and sort of the, you know, the franchise, the future of that franchise. And okay. So he, pads his stats with an empty netter, but I love the play that he made there on the forecheck on Kyle Burroughs on the go-ahead goal. And at that point, there was no looking back. And then, uh, you know, the power play goal, uh, it's kind of funny. And again, it goes hand in hand here. I'm sure the Canucks don't find it all that funny, but, you know, we charted the the quest for 70. I mean, it became kind of our shtick here on Rinkwide. We're going to have to do the reverse quest for 70 because they're tracking back now. Uh, they've given up a power play goal in four straight games. And... That one, the Schwartz goal, the double deflection, the replay showed it got tipped twice, uh, and Jaden Schwartz was the last to touch it, his 20th of the year. You know, JT Miller's had a nice about face under Rick Tock, and he's played well both ends of the ice, but man, was he passive there. Daniel Sprong at the point, just kind of looking him off and faking, and Miller backed off and, and allowed Sprong to walk to the middle of the ice, gets the shot away, and Everly tipped it, and then Schwartz tipped it, and into the back of the net it goes, and at four to two, pretty much game set and match, and then the lowest event third period that we have oh, seen. I mean, the wow. shots the shots were one one for the yeah. longest time, and that included the Canucks having four minutes of power play time when Wentberg got a stick up into the face of Nils Amon. Uh, Connor Garland rang one off the post, but uh, it's not an official shot on goal, certainly a shot at net. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Kraken were again they were happy up two goals, uh, second game in as many nights. They didn't need to add any more offense, so they just sat back. And the Canucks, uh, you know, until they got Delay out, really didn't muster much in the way of pressure. And even with the goaltender pulled, uh, you know, didn't really have any great looks. It's hard to say that they got robbed in any way. Uh, the Canucks got what they deserved on this night. They were the second best team. And again, the Kraken are heading to the playoffs and the Canucks are just kind of spinning their thumbs here with now five games remaining in the season. The Kraken have a bit of a subtle swagger to them. Like there's a, a real confidence with that team and, you can see it through the depth that they have as well, because they don't have that standout superstar, really. 
Now, Baneers is definitely going to track that way, especially being in his rookie season. But um, yeah, like it just didn't, it didn't seem to me like they were ever out of this game, even though they were down to buzz at one point. And, you know, let's, there's very few positives from Vancouver in this game, but I did like Pedersen's goal. It was a very nice play by not only Kuzmenko, but just a nifty hands on Elias Pedersen to sort of slip it by um, Martin. And it was on the, the, the forehand, but almost like he still sort of pulled it behind him. Now, maybe a little luck involved as well, but a nice uh, I, goal nonetheless. Yeah, I think where Pedersen's involved, uh, you know, whatever luck is there, it's masked by uh, his abundance of skill. I, I think he I just mean exactly that it got was, by. I knew, you're he right. knew what he no, was no. doing there, just the yeah. fact that it wasn't no, saved, look, right? Both Canuck goals were pretty. I mean, if we're going to find positives on the night, yeah. there were pretty plays made on both of the Canuck goals. And you're right, Elias Pedersen with a spinning uh, you don't really see the toe drag in the crease, essentially. Uh, but yeah, nifty play there. And uh, Kuzmenko, Joshua with the hard pass across uh, the goal mouth. And so, again, the start the Canucks were looking for, just like the other night when they opened the scoring. Brock Besser had the first goal of the night, uh, the only goals that turned out for the Canucks against the Kings. Uh, and this one, the Canucks uh, did them one better. I mean, they got the second goal as well. And Connor Garland sells the shot coming down that right side and then snaps it hard across the, the goal mouth. And Anthony Bavillier had the wide open net, doesn't uh, make a mistake there. He's up to 18 on the season. Nils Amon getting the second assist there. So at 2 nothing, yeah, it's looking good for the Canucks. Again, this mastery of the Seattle Kraken, the dominance. They're going to win the season series, all that kind of stuff. Nope. Uh, Kraken now 2-0 and against Rick Tockett coached uh, Vancouver Canuck teams. And as our producer Aaron pointed out, uh, Rick Tockett, the only Canucks coach uh, to lose to the Seattle Kraken. Travis oh. Green didn't suffer that indignity, and Bruce Boudreau, uh, his teams had their way with the Kraken last season and earlier this year, but uh, Tock is 0 for 2 against the guys from down the I-5. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's as good as it got for the Canucks on the night was uh, two pretty goals early on. Uh, you know, I looked through my notes here. JT Miller had that shorthanded breakaway at 4-2 to two yeah. late in the second period. But Beneers was in Maddie, on that. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, credit yeah. where it's due there. Matty Beneers on the back check. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the five on three, we've seen this a couple times from the Canucks this year. Just it felt like way too passive. Like some teams make it look so easy when they score five on three, and it just seems so hard for the Vancouver Canucks for whatever reason. And we know the talent that they're able to roll out there with the man advantage, uh, but it just uh, wasn't to be there. Uh, you know, when I look at individual performances and Rick Tockett kind of laid down the gauntlet for some of the, you know, the. The grinders, if you will, didn't like the lack of forecheck the other night against the Los Angeles Kings. I mean, the Canucks had a ton of hits in this hockey game, but that generally tells you that they didn't have the puck and that they're running around and chasing. And, you know, a guy like Jack Studnika, I think, took some of that criticism to heart. I mean, he had six hits. I'm not sitting here and telling you that Jack Studnika had a hell of a hockey game, but I look at some of the other guys. Aiden McDonough, I, I want it to go well for this guy. And him scoring the other night at home was terrific, but I thought he was pretty quiet against the Kings the other night. And, uh, you know, when you hear the coach, and I'm sure the comments of the coach, whether they were direct to the players or they filter to the players through friends or agents or if they're reading the media, whatever the case. I mean, McDonough doesn't play much. Eight minutes and 17 seconds. He's a low ice time man, but one shot on goal and just one hit. He's a big body. He's, if he's going to find his way, he's got to find a way to use the body and be effective. And you know me and do something. Like I don't think I can sit here and tell you that he did much in this hockey game. I'm not writing him off, but there's only five games to go, and there's no guarantee he plays them all. So every opportunity you get to suit up in the NHL, 
you got to find a way to leave a mark. And he just, he did not do that. Phil Giuseppe was a lot more physical in this game than he was the other night. So there's another guy, I think that, you know, probably takes the the words of the coach to heart. Now, again, I don't think this was Di Giuseppe's best game. I don't know if it was any Canucks best game. Uh, maybe it was Akito Hiroshi's best game. because I, I thought only... he was good again. No, I, and yeah. that's what I mean. Like, he was all right the other night. And, you know, they're, they're playing him 15 minutes and 27 seconds. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, maybe funny is not the right word to use because I think I said that earlier in the pod. Uh, but it feels like in two games, Akito Hiroshi has maybe moved past Jack Rathbone on the organizational depth chart here. And if I'm Jack Rathbone, a lot of those same things that I just said about Aiden McDonough, like, there's only five games to go here. I, I just feel like he's not putting his best foot forward. And I don't know if it's in his head and he's trying not to make mistakes and he's being cautious or whatever the case, but you just don't notice Jack Rathbone at all. And you think of, he doesn't have a massive body of work in the National Hockey League, but he's certainly played a lot more at this level than Akito Hiroshi has. And Hiroshi just looks comfortable, made a terrific stick play on a, uh, a penalty kill early in the first period when there was a goal mouth pass that would have resulted in the goal and he was able to, you know, deflect it out of harm's way. And uh, we said it this the other night too, that, you know, it's not flashy, but he seems to know what he wants to do when he's got the puck on his stick and then the puck's not on his stick long. He's making the pass and getting it in the hands of somebody that can lug it up ice and away they go. So, yeah, I, I would say, you know, if we are finding silver linings, that there were a couple of pretty goals and that Akito Hiroshi has acquitted himself pretty nicely here, I would say, in, in his first two games in the National Hockey League. It's kind of remarkable that he plays 15-27 and so does Jack Rathbone, <laughs> which is pretty interesting. But um, he also got a bunch of power play time, uh, yep. Akito Hiroshi, and, and so did Jack. I mean, Jack Rathbone had almost a, a minute 30 on the power play as well. And he had a good chance late in the third as well on the power play. But yeah, I like what I'm seeing from Hiroshi here, and I agree with everything you said there. It just feels like he is very comfortable in the situation. He's making the most of it, not seeing that from Aiden McDonough. Now, this might have something to do with the amount of ice time that Aiden McDonough is getting as well. But when you, you know, you got to expect that, that that's what you're going to get here as you try to get your feet wet in the NHL. And like you said, you got to do something with those minutes. So interesting to see. Uh, exactly what they get out of Aiden McDonough, how many games he plays down here in the stretch, but a little more interested in in 36 there in, in Akito Hiroshi to see, you know, maybe he does play this out. Maybe they want to get a real long look at him. We know how old he is already, so it is it is go time for him in terms of his uh, uh, professional uh, game. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what the Canucks do with that. They signed another NCAA free agent tonight, another defenseman, so they're they're piling up on those. They saw, signed Cole uh, McWard out of the University of Ohio State, a right shot defenseman, uh, just finished his sophomore season there. Uh, but again, just more of a scratch and win. Dollywall reporting he's on his way to Vancouver. So will we see Cole McWard? Yeah, I mean, he's he signed an NHL contract. It wasn't like Max Sasson who elected to sign a pro tryout and yeah. start down in Abbotsford. He signed an NHL contract, two-year deal. Uh, and like I feel, again, we should have sound effects here. It's a right-shot defenseman. People oh. have been talking forever about, you know, needing to load up, and that's the biggest they area exist. of business. Those right-shot defensemen exist? They're unicorns uh, <laughs> for the Vancouver Canucks. And Jake Livingston was the big prize coming out of college. They didn't land him. He elected to go to Nashville, but... Uh, Cole McCore from Ohio State appears to have some offense to his game. Uh, two years at Ohio State and elected to to turn pro here and and is signed with the Canucks. So five games to go. Uh, you know they don't have a lot of healthy bodies on the back end, and I do wonder if he'll get an opportunity here. And as for Hiroshi, like 
there's five games to go. Guillaume Brisebois has been nursing something at some point. The Canucks are just going to have to figure out, you know, what's the point? You know, like, let Brisebois heal up and, you know, they don't have to rush him back. If he doesn't play again this season, uh, he gave them what he could. And it was one of the nice stories late in the year, uh, the way he came in and, and, you know, looked the part of a National Hockey Leaguer and scored that goal against Dallas, his first in the NHL. But as it stands right now, like Rathbone's up on an emergency basis, and if Breezebois isn't healthy and they decide to shut him down, then, yeah, I mean, the guys that you've got are the guys that you've got, and they're going to keep playing, and then we'll see about McWard. Um, you know, they you got to get a guy in here and have a couple of practices, and and then we'll see. I mean, they go out on the road three and four to finish up, so there's still some time, and we'll see what their plans are for this guy uh, when he arrives on the scene. Uh, we should mention Ethan Bear dropping the gloves. Just uh, yeah. not not much of a scrap with Will Borgen, but it's interesting. He becomes the twelfth different guy on this team this year uh, to get in a fight, and that's not really Ethan Bear's thing. And little surprise, just because generally, uh, well, yeah, since first this year, I'd have to go back and look in hockey fights to see if uh, he's been in others uh, in the National Hockey League. But uh, again, not a whole lot there. Although I just wanted to note that it was the twelfth different guy. Uh, to drop the mitts and get after it uh, for the Vancouver Canucks this season. How many fights is that against Kraken? The Kraken as well, because there was I think a few. Said six. Yeah. I, I have to go back and check my list, but uh, certainly the first game of the season had some heat when the Canucks were winless, and you know I remember J.T. Miller and I think it was Tanner Pearson in the early going trying to spark the hockey club, and uh, yeah, there've been a few here. Shannon Alexiak gotten one uh, uh, in the last game in Seattle, so I'll take Shorty at his word. I think uh, he said six on the broadcast. You know, I, I look at I mean a couple of things here. We talked about it being a tough night for for Quinn Hughes, and it's just been an incredible season. But uh, another night goes by where uh, he's held off the score sheet, so that's back to back game for him. And we remember not that long ago we remarked, you know, he'd gone three without a point, and that was a big deal because it was the only time it had happened. So Chicago's in the red hot Blackhawks snapped their eight game yeah, losing streak exactly. in Calgary. Uh, the Blackhawks are here, and we'll see if that is uh, the answer for Quinn Hughes and his, his I can't call them scoring woes, but uh, it, it's notable at the very least, two games without a point. But he and Kyle Burroughs, the shots were 10-3 to 3 in Seattle's favor with Quinn Hughes on the ice at even strength. So uh, another night, you know, not another night, there haven't been many, but a night where he spends a lot of time defending a uh, tough night for Kyle Burroughs as well. The shots were 10-1. to 1. 10 to 1 for the Kraken with uh, Kyle Burroughs out there on the ice. And we should mention as well, and this is one of the reasons that they are where they are in the standings. We talked about this on our YouTube pregame show, but put another win in the road win column for the Seattle Kraken 25, 10, and 4 away from Climate Pledge, the comfy confines of Climate Pledge, one of the newest rinks in the National Hockey League, but uh, they seem to like to be the visitors more than playing at home. 25, 10, and 4 on the road this year for the Seattle Kraken. And uh, I think they've got two road games to go. They still have to go to Arizona. They haven't played in Arizona. Uh, they're going to make their only trip of the year in the final week of the regular season uh, to Mullet. And then uh, they finish off home and home with the Vegas Golden Knights. So a couple more games to add to the total. But uh, that is impressive stuff. 25 yeah. road wins as a second-year team. Yeah, and they're doing themselves some favors as well. They're really locking into that um, first wild card spot too. So, getting comfortable there and uh, trying to figure out their opponent. But uh, it should be interesting to see exactly what they get from the Seattle Kraken here as they make their first postseason appearance. Um, 
when it comes to, you know, what's left in the season here, and especially mm-hmm. this homestand, I know you sort of circled uh, Elias Pettersson getting to the 100-point mark. Um, you know, he does have Chicago next on the uh, schedule, and we'll see exactly what this game will mean to Calgary on Saturday with a big one happening tomorrow against the uh, Winnipeg Jets. But, you know, Elias Pettersson sitting at 97 points here, and, of course, the streak was snapped, and uh, it wasn't going to go forever. But uh was hoping he was going to be able to make that franchise mark, but he'll have to try that uh, again next season. But, you know, that 100 points, so that's a big one to try to get in front of the home crowd. Be interesting to see if he can do it here in the next two games. Yeah, and and I, I still think he'll get there, whether it yeah, happens yeah. at home, though, yeah. uh, with two games to go. That's becoming a bit of an issue because he had a goal against Calgary, power play goal, 36 seconds into the second period on Friday night. So there were two periods still to go. That was his only point in the hockey game. And then he gets held off the score sheet against the LA Kings. Here he opens the scoring four and a half minutes in, whole hockey game in front of him, leaves the building with just another single point. So, you know, he's chipping away at this, but man, you'd love to see him have another big night and take any suspense out of the equation here. Again, I've said for a while, I want to see it happen on the homestand because I just think it would be a cool moment because if it happens on the road, it's still a cool moment, but then the season ends and the fans don't really get a chance to acknowledge him, to you know, applaud him, whatever. That's why I think uh, if he can do it in one of these last couple of nights, and and he's had so many multi-point games that it's certainly well within his reach, but, you know, you do wonder. We talked about Quinn Hughes. He's gone a little quiet. Delias Pedersen. I don't know if it's the reality of uh, being eliminated from playoff contention, if it's the heavy workload down the stretch, like whatever. It does sort of feel like the energy is leaving this team in front of our eyes. And so, you know, does PD have one last, act in terms like a big night against the Chicago Blackhawks on Thursday or you know maybe the Calgary Flames on Saturday again for his sake and for the fans sake I hope it happens at home I still am bullish on him getting to 100 he needs three points over the final five games so uh he ought to get there and Quinn Hughes I just want to see him pat his stats as much as he can you know JT Miller's been sitting on 29 goals for a while and another game goes by that he doesn't score and had that shorthanded chance that we talked about again I got to think that there's a goal left for JT Miller over the final five but you know, he's sitting on 29. He wants to get to 30. Doesn't want to get got stuck on 99 last year, 99 points. He doesn't want to sit at 29 for the season. He wants to get to that nice round 30 mark. Kuzmenko. You know, there's enough individual stuff here to watch, but uh, really, that's all there is to. Well, I mean, there's nothing left to play for at this yeah. point. I'm, you know, and I, I do wonder too. Uh, this patchwork defense, these young guys that are getting played now and, and getting their opportunities. It feels like that is finally catching up to the Vancouver Canucks. And you can't point to necessarily individual performances in this one and say, like, you know, that goal was a direct result of one of the young guys. But I just think collectively, uh, they're getting outmanned by teams that are gearing up for the playoffs, whether it was the Calgary Flames who were desperate the other night, the LA Kings were pretty locked in, Seattle uh, doing what it does here. And the amazing thing to me, I guess, is that this didn't happen earlier, that when you had Breezeball and Will Lannon and you had, uh, you know, Noah Juleson and Kyle Burroughs, who hadn't played an awful lot, and those guys stepped in and they stepped up and Thatcher Demko came back and all of a sudden this team was airtight. I kind of thought that what we've seen here recently would have happened a few weeks back, but to the players' credits, they all stepped up and did their thing. But it just kind of feels like the perfect storm of all of this. The, the end is near. I think the players can sense it and feel it. Uh, they don't have anything to play for in terms of, you know, team goals. 
And for some of the younger guys, you'd like to see them do a little bit more here. Don't let this opportunity slip away. So uh, last couple of nights haven't been very good for the Vancouver Canucks. The Tankus, as you said, right off the top, they're happy about that. But if we're sitting here evaluating individuals, some of these guys, they have to recognize that uh, basically at this time next week, it is done. And you just don't want to let opportunities slip by. So we'll see what they look like on Thursday, because uh, not enough guys were anywhere close to good enough in this one against the Seattle Kraken. Well, that season might be done. Big summer ahead, though. They've been warned <laughs> many times. Uh, our buddy Patrick Johnson tweeting out uh, from the morning skate this morning said, asked uh, talking about Delia, and he said his plan remains to give him two or three starts beyond tonight. So that's an interesting quote there. Now, I know we batted it around a little bit. Um, if Can you see three starts in the next five? Maybe he does get that second one in the back-to-back, and maybe they do. I'm interested in what that lineup is going to be on April 13th in that final game at the Mullet in Arizona. Well, I mean, nobody's got a crystal ball. So, I mean, in terms of health, you just don't know who's going to be available. Sure. But, yeah. but, I mean, they're only going to take the guys they've got out on the road trip. It's not like you all of a sudden can call everybody up from the farm. So I, I don't think it's going to no, be. No, but like Kravtsov, McDonough, Hiroshi, like the, the guys that are sort of auditioning still right now, it feels like they're all going to get in that game. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, again, I think as a coaching staff, you want to make sure that you've got two power play units, you've got penalty killers, that you got to check off some of those boxes. But I hear you. I mean, for a night, could some of those guys step in? Could you give Aiden McDonough some power play time? We know that the guy's got a, a hell of a shot. So, yeah, you could, I suppose. Um Beyond that, though, you know, if Pedersen's still chasing like the 100 points and those types of things, I think that would factor into it as well. So uh, as for Delia, you know, three of the final five, like, is it possible that he starts on Thursday against Chicago again? Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, I I, I still think fan appreciation night, the final game in front of the home fans, that feels like it's earmarked for Thatcher Demko. And it could mean something for Calgary and, you know, Vancouver try to get up for it. And yeah. 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 Although, I mean, this meant something to Seattle. Like, you know, it's not like you can't play your backup goaltender in these matchups. Um, but then you look at, they finish on the road three and four, including a back-to-back. I, I think they have to split the back-to-backs. And it's a, yeah. even though it's in Southern California, I just don't think you're playing either guy in both of those. So, you know, if, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible if Demko got the home finale and one of the games in Southern California, you could possibly give the rest to Delia. Although my hunch is that Demko will play three of the final five and that Demko will get two more. And then including this one, he gets three of the final six hockey games and, uh, and then you're sort of relieving Demko of any sort of crazy, crazy workload. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today.
Freakwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, poker tips, and free casino games. It's time to play. Let's head into the dressing room, hear from the head coach and JT Miller tonight. Uh, Rick Tockett just talking about how his team didn't have it. We had a tough time even dumping a puck in there for a while. Uh, they put a lot of back pressure. That was part of our game plan is to make sure you support the puck, get the puck in deep. You know, we uh, we don't have the t- that type of team to take it back and massage the puck. You know, we got to play a straight-ahead game, and we didn't. You know, the personnel we have, we have to play a, a certain way, and we didn't. Then uh, there was no energy. Did you notice early on that the forecheck was going pretty good? There was a shift uh, on Patterson's line where everybody was contributing. And I'm not talking about the goal because the goal was 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 that as well. Mm-hmm. But there it was one moment where I was like, wow, I can see why Joseph uh, Joshua, that is, works well here. And, you know, hey, the guys are in on the forechecks. I know that was something that the coach didn't like from the last game. And then that just, uh, to use the sound effect, dissolved <laughs> yeah. yeah well as we said i mean they got up to nothing like it wasn't like they were buried early in this hockey game things were going their way and then they got away from that for whatever yeah. reason and then i do think once the seattle kraken got on the scoreboard you know that gave them the light they were looking for and i, I don't know i mean it, it, it just kind of and we pointed it out the calgary game not many shots on goal the la game the other night not many shots on goal uh, you know, there are things you can control within a game. And when you've got the puck on your stick in the offensive zone, instead of, you know, trying to pass it through three or four guys, like sometimes putting a puck on the net's just not a bad play. And for whatever reason, the Canucks elected not to do that. And as we said, just, you know, a second straight game where they've been held to nine shots on goal over the final 40 minutes. So when you're down and trailing, that's not great math if you're trying to get back in a hockey game. Uh, Canucks power play has been a bit of an Achilles heel for them as of recent. 0 for 5 tonight. JT Miller asked about you know, what's going on with the PP. Yeah, our power play has been very inconsistent lately. Uh, we did have some good looks in the first there on that one. Uh, but in this, it just seems sloppy and we seem to be getting on our own page a little bit when things are going our way and we're not really making a difference in the games lately, which sucks. The head coach was asked about it too, and he said that uh, he just th- they're trying to be too finessey, like they're just trying to be too cute, uh, almost if finessey is a word. But uh, you know, and again, but the, this team, like it, this team, does have a lot of skill, so you can yeah. kind of see why they want to try to do that. But at the same time, too, like that's not really their bread and butter as well. Like they can pull it off from time to time. But they're not like the Oilers or or the Leafs or you know uh, or even a team like Boston in that regard. Yeah, I, like I don't disagree. Like I thought, JT said it. The first period of their four or five, I guess five power plays. Uh, the first one that they had of the night was probably their best. And then after that, I mean, that third period, you get four minutes. Wenberg, the high stick, like right across the grill of Nils Almond. You get five, four minutes of power play time. And they didn't get a shot on goal. That's where I come back to the fact, like, test the goaltender. It's Martin Jones. Like, we know that, you know, he has his struggles. And and put pucks on the net. Make it. Make some saves. And to come out of the night, I mean, they had five power play opportunities and generated four shots on goal with the man advantage. So, and, and then Tockett said, too, that, you know, he's found that this team, the power play sort of affects the rest of their game. Like when the power play is going, guys get into it. They feed off that, but they also feed off it the wrong way. And if the power play is struggling and guys are kind of, you know, just throwing the puck wherever that, that 
filters over into five on five play when the penalties expire. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you could tell there, there was some frustration on the part of the coach in this hockey game, uh, just with what he saw. Uh, he talked about body language and he's noticing the last couple of games, the body language isn't great. Uh, yeah. Again, there's five games to go here. So uh, he's going to have to find a way to sort of nip that in the bud. One of the things the head coach did not like with uh, how sluggish the guys were being that it was a day off yesterday. I thought this was pretty pointed from the head coach. If you have days off and guys don't know how to prepare on days off, then I'm going to have to start babysitting a little bit more. You know, that's just the way, that's just the, you know, that's hockey 101 coaches rules. You know, if you can't be professional on a day off and come in and have energy, then obviously you're doing the wrong thing on a day off. I don't know what they're doing because the energy level, even last game, a little bit, same thing, no energy wake up and talk it's just standing over you like yeah he, he doesn't strike me as like a fun babysitter he's not the guy that would like let you stay up and eat chips yeah. and all that kind of stuff like he'd put you in bed at eight o'clock and you better stay in that bed don't come creeping out to the living room uh babysitting yeah that's uh yeah some fairly strong language from the head coach there yeah it's interesting though i mean listen guys gotta let off steam whatnot but at this point too like these it's pretty pivotal right now for a lot of the guys like there's a very few guys on this team that are you know know that they are are secure going into next year there's a lot of guys that are trying to, to get themselves a job to stay in the nhl here and you know these games are, are key for them you know we know what elias Pettersson's doing we know what jt miller's doing quinn hughes those guys but for the guys lower down the lineup, like you, you can't like these are so pivotal. You're talking about someone like Aiden McDonough. I know that the the idea is not for really him to be a Canuck uh, next year, but at the same time too, like he's late in his development. Like he's got to use everything to his benefit right now. And so a lot of those guys really got to use this time to, you know, use it as a wake up call, really. And I guess <laughs> that's what the head coach is going to do because, like he said, he's going to be babysitting you. Well, I remember earlier uh, he talked about like. You know, look out, we're going to have these practices where I'm going to have to walk them through everything. And he did. Uh, and it was fascinating to see. Like, he would blow the whistle and he'd go over and he'd actually, like, physically yeah. place guys where he wanted them to be defensively. Uh, I wonder what practice will look like uh, on Wednesday in the wake of a loss here with another game coming up on Thursday. Because, as we said, there's five to go and you're trying to set the tone. And again, the outcome of these final five, it doesn't matter. But the process and sort of laying down these ground rules. And if uh, the babysitter is going to have to, you know, check in uh, because he talked about it as well. He said, he sort of is sensing that maybe some guys are checking out uh, with just five games to go here. Well, that, yeah, exactly. Here's the head coach on that. We've had actually had some good habits the last month and, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe guys are looking at the end of the season. I don't know. It looked like some guys were just not into it right. and they can't afford it. You can't afford not to be into it. I don't, that's the yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, try you tried for your NHL lives to play in on the league. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you you look at Stadnika, Amon, Dries, uh, maybe not so much Joshua right now, but PDG, right, uh, Rathbone, like uh, Burroughs. Like, there's so many guys that right now are just trying to, you know, stay in the NHL. So this is key right now. We know what what, what you're going to get from Patterson. We know what they have to play for. We know that they're going to get up and play. It's these other guys down the lineup when they're when the big guns maybe not necessarily don't have it energy wise. That's when you really got to chip in. Yeah, and that's why I say uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Rick, ha Rick Talkett handles his team here. Uh, I would imagine with five games to go, there's a, you know there's a back to back. There's going to be some travel. I would think there's probably only two or three practices remaining. But again, these guys can't go through the motions, so uh, be interesting to see how direct he is with his team during this practice time.
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Okay, time for my Bodog best bet. Uh, I didn't hit it. I technically did, but you have to win it outright. Let me explain. If you didn't uh, hear it on the uh, pregame show, our exclusive YouTube pregame show, uh, I had the highest scoring period being the first period. But of course, it was shared with two periods, first and the second. So didn't win that one. Um, felt good about it though. Felt really good about it, especially with those three goals in the first. And nonetheless, I didn't hit it tonight, but, um, hopefully you didn't bet that and then you didn't lose yourself any money. So we'll try harder next time. J Pat, that was my window though. (laughs) You know, like that's my window. Like I shouldn't be going with these gut feeling ones. You know, I gotta try, I gotta try to get some easy dubs here if I want to try to catch the Canucks, but, but it look, it was uh, three in the first period and then two, with what four minutes to go in the yeah. second, and then the Canucks took a penalty and Schwartz scores in the power play. So for a while there, it looked like you were sitting pretty, but uh, alas, it is a twenty-minute period and all the goals count. So yes, uh, a push there, but you needed the outright win. It kind of played out the way I thought it was going to. I thought Vancouver was going to going to get on top of them early, just because of you know uh, Seattle coming on a back to back. But uh, I figured Seattle would find themselves at some point in this game, and they did, of course. But. Uh, Nonetheless, not a win. All right. Uh, game in a hashtag is presented by Delaney's OK Tire out on Fraser Highway in Langley. We'll start with Strong Belly on Twitter. Hashtag old habits. Scott says hashtag whelp. Paul says hashtag tossing a salmon is a Canucks tradition. <laughs> David C says hashtag they'll win it before us. Yeah. Mm, wow. They looking pretty good. Uh, Colin says hashtag is it over yet? And a lot we got here. There's a few here from Ebrahim. So I am just going to use one. And he says, hashtag embarrassing effort. Yes, it was an embarrassing effort from the Canucks. And I had somebody reach out on Twitter and point out the fact that the Canucks are six, eight, and one under Rick Tockett against teams that are headed to the playoffs. So uh, that is six wins in 15 games against playoff teams, a.k.a. good teams in the National Hockey League. And, yeah. you know, there is an element of the the soft schedule. We all pointed it out. I mean, Bruce Boudreau pointed it out on his way out the door. Oh, yeah, he's getting a soft schedule, I think is the last thing we heard uh, Bruce say as he left town. Uh, you know, so this isn't a surprise, but keep that in mind as you're trying to assess Rick Tockett, 31 games under Tockett now. And, uh, yeah, it was a softer schedule. And so, yes, he's produced some victories. And sure, his team looked a little tighter uh, at times, although one of the hashtags there slipping back into old habits. Yeah, for sure. And the penalty kills part of that. As we talked about, uh, the issues are starting to to rear their their ugly head again here into these final few games of the season. But, uh, yeah, thanks to Jamie. That's uh, an interesting statistic. I mean, I like my numbers and coming at them in different ways. That's not something that I had looked at. But uh, six wins in 15 games against playoff-bound teams kind of does tell you a story yeah. that uh, they still don't measure up against the good, you know, they've had some decent wins. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they, yes, they beat Los Angeles uh, in Los Angeles. They beat Toronto. Uh, 
you know, there've been some wins and I mean, he says they've got six of those 15, but, uh, but for the most part against playoff bound teams, the Canucks have not measured up. Uh, let's stick with, uh, Ibrahim because he does have an ass J Pat as well says what's with the last three games. The Canucks have been badly outplayed, outshot, and their special teams have been absolutely crushed. Their lack of effort is absolutely appalling. Where is their structure? Yeah, well, I mean, look, we documented a lot of that uh, in the first segment of this uh, podcast here, that uh, it just it feels like guys are checking out now, and they're well-paid, well-compensated, they're pros, and it's on them to be better than they have been here. But we also said, like, the start of the homestand, Calgary, L.A., Seattle, three teams that either go into the playoffs or pushing hard to make the playoffs, these games matter a lot more to those teams, and I think that part's been apparent, but I, I, I can't feel... After watching the games, like the Canucks have, I mean, they made Calgary squirm, but part of that's on the Flames too, right? They, nothing's coming easy to them. They they squirmed at home against Anaheim and ultimately won that one, and then they, you know, crapped the bed against Chicago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, L.A. L.A. was allowed to basically do what it wanted against the Canucks, just set up shop and did its thing, and then same sort of deal here after the the. Stop, you know, they stumbled out of the gate down to nothing, but uh, Seattle took over the hockey game. So that's why I said I'm, I'm curious to see if we get a bit of a different tone from the head coach. Like He's got five to go. He doesn't want to allow this group just to kind of fade off into the sunset and just yeah. show up and put the uniform on. You know, they're going to play like Chicago's not playing for anything. Anaheim's not playing for anything. Arizona's not playing for anything. You've got to find your own man. You, you, you've got to manufacture your own sort of enthusiasm and excitement. And that's where professionalism kicks in. And you want your leaders to show Akito Hiroshi and Aiden McDonough, you know, what it looks like to be a pro night in, night out, even when uh, there isn't a whole lot of heft and significance to these games. So I, I think it's fair if talk, it sort of points the finger at some of his leadership group here. You know, there's a fair bit of talk in the marketplace about the next captain of the Vancouver Canucks and those types of things. Like this is where you do need leadership. Ultimately, if they lose the games, so be it. And that's going to please a, a good portion of the fan base. But I can't imagine that there's anybody that's sitting there thinking like, yeah, this is fun. This is a great yeah. entertainment. I'm paying money to this is the NHL. Like for some of these people, I always think like every single night, I don't care what city, what part of the season, every single night is somebody's first night going to a National Hockey League game. And, you know, I don't expect the players to play thinking like that, but you know, you're in the entertainment business ultimately. And I can't imagine somebody that spent a couple hundred bucks to go and watch that tonight uh, thought that it was terribly entertaining unless they were Seattle Kraken fans. And I'm sure some of them made their trek up the I-5 to, to check out the hockey game. But uh, from a Canucks perspective, again, we said a couple of pretty goals early, but after that, just nothing doing uh, on this night. It always amazes me that uh, that one guy that always sits behind the visitor's bench, he's at every game for the Canucks. You know the guy. Everybody knows yep. who I'm talking yeah, yeah. about. That guy's still, he's going to every game still, man. Like He is there with the team. Win, lose, or draw, doesn't matter where they're at in the season. They could be. Yeah, but know, I bet you he wasn't. I bet you he wasn't entertained. No, no, but he's showing up. He is showing he up. He does show up. Nah, he's I'll consistent, yes. Uh, keeping with consistency as well as uh, we've got a, a good ask a JPAD here from Strong Belly who gave us a uh, game and a hashtag as well. I like this one. Keep one, trade one, dump one. Garland, Besser, Bovillier. Keep one, trade one, mm. dump one. Ah, man. I actually, uh, Connor Garland had a lot going on in this hockey game. I know that uh, we mentioned him for the play that he made at the point on the Tanev shorthanded goal, but 
great assist to Beauvillier and then uh, brings one off the post in the third period. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of quietly gone about his business here, but his goal total is highly disappointing on the season. So I'm not going to sit here and try to uh, pump him up an awful lot. Uh, you know, Beauvillier has looked pretty good. He'd gone a bit quiet there when he was taken away from PD, but he's uh, bounced back and scored scored against Calgary the other night, uh, scored here. So, uh, you know, starting to find his form again. Uh, man, I'm rambling and, and taking the long approach here because uh, it's tough. I know it is. And you look at the, you know, four million, five million, six yeah. million dollars. Like they're all at different price points. Um, I, I still think they're going to try to shop Besser in the offseason. Yeah. That's my hunch that they, if they could move, I mean, it's the most money to come off the books, at least, uh, you know, on a per year basis. Um, and I don't think they're looking to move Beauvillier quite yet. We'll see what happens, to, uh, you know, maybe at next year's deadline. I don't imagine that uh, they're going to extend him in the offseason. So uh, I would say Besser. Um, but I'm not walking away from Garland. Like, I don't want to just dump Garland. But, but you might have to eat, like, because the thing is, like, like let's say there's two trades there. Like, say Beauvillier is the guy you keep because you might trade him at the trade deadline next year. But you, you keep him for, for that. But when it comes to Besser, like, you're probably going to find a trade where you're going to be able to move the player. Garland might be one of those trades where you will have to eat some of the money on it. I just think, like... Okay, and there was that letter that Jim Rutherford sent out a week ago, and he talked about we're going to manage the cap by any means possible, and people automatically assume that meant buyouts, and you know if it's not OEL and not Tyler Myers, like who's going to get bought out? And well, Connor Garland's got three years left in his deal. Like if you buy out Connor Garland, it just feels to me like he'll go elsewhere, and he'll probably become the player that the Canucks had hoped that he was going to be. Yeah, right. Like rather than buy, you can't trade him like even if you had to retain a little bit rather than a buyout where you're gonna have dead money on the books i i don't know i just i can't imagine that he's not completely intradable uh you may not be overwhelmed with the return but you know the hustle the effort i rarely question that i just it's a bottom line business and his goal total two years in a row now has uh has left me wanting certainly for a guy that has shown an ability to produce at higher levels uh before he arrived in vancouver the only thing is his buyout isn't actually that bad. You save 4.1 for the first two years. You save 3.1 the third year, and then you're spending well, 1.8 for three after that. It's basically 1.9 with the with the amount right. of, that it rolls up to. So it's it's not ugly. It's not OEL ugly. That's for sure. Right. So and if there was one, you could probably do that. And you hope that in the back end that the cap will have gone up and yeah. that, you know, there's a little bit more room there to to play with, but Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still think, you know, Besser, that whole situation will be addressed again in the offseason. All right. Uh, well, this is going to be a tough one tonight. You got to figure out who did something. And, of course, it's always presented by Jason Almanick at Jason.Mortgage. Yeah, we said Garland did a few things. Uh, Jordan Heberly might have been the best of the bunch no but even on seattle they you know do what they do they just spread the scoring yep. around yep. so it wasn't like one guy just blew you away uh but everly got his 18th goal of the year and then he get an assist on the the schwartz power play goal as well uh let's go with jordan everly he did something for the seattle kraken they win back-to-back -back nights here they're headed to the playoffs for the first time in franchise history well the canucks are fading fast and that is your hashtag to get in on the 25 dollar to dutch gift card and your opportunities to get in on the $25 to Dutch gift card are fading fast as well. So note the hashtag fading fast 
and did something always a presentation of Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. Uh, we talked about this time is running out on the season. Don't let time run out on you. If your mortgage is up for renewal, make sure you know your options, know what's out there on the market. If you don't, then Jason's your guy. Reach out and he's got the answers. He's been in this business for close to 30 years. He's here to help. He wants to help. And he has already helped Rinkwide listeners save thousands of dollars and he can help you as well. So uh, it starts with a phone call, all of his contact information on his website, jason.mortgage. Yeah. If you want to fade your current mortgage, Jason's the guy to call. And of course, if you want to get in on the Dutch contest, you got to send the hashtag fading fast into the GoGoat Sports inbox at 778-402-9680. And that'll get you into that draw to win $25 to BC's best breakfast. Check them out at dedutch.com. Check us out. We'll be busy this week. We got a few more games still to go. Of course, Thursday night, the uh, Canucks facing off against the Blackhawks, and then Saturday night, what we hope will be a big tilt uh, between the Canucks and the Flames. Hopefully the Flames will be still in desperate, desperation mode uh, trying to get themselves into the postseason after a big loss to the Blackhawks tonight. And hey, listen, the Canucks uh, know about losses as they took one to Seattle as well. Five to two, the losing streak now extended to four games. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, rink wide is the show that always goes.